0: yeah well a couple of you feeling pretty good. The rest of you are either cold or already full of candy, and your tummy hurts so anyway we're we're uh we're glad you're here um, How many of you taught your kids not to play with their food yeah that's probably um it's probably good parenting uh, I have not done that uh there's times where we don't play with our food but there's other times where we absolutely play with our food um, One of the things I don't know I don't know where it started but um, first off we love Mexican food as a family any Mexican food lovers I mean like literally I could eat it every day at least once a day and, and y'all think I'm, y'all think I'm joking but I've actually done it for like a week straight and I didn't get tired of it and so we love Mexican food and we go uh, a couple of times a week probably I know that sounds terrible a week or two once or twice a week. And uh, one of the things that we get sometimes is fajitas. Y'all get fajitas? Chicken, steak, shrimp? Yeah. And, but we'll get fajitas sometimes. And fajitas always come with a side of tortillas, right? And now I'm not, uh, because I, I try to, uh, to watch my carb intake, I don't usually eat the fajitas. And so Melissa's usually the only one that makes a actual fajita that she's supposed to make out of the the fajita shells, and so I don't normally do that, and then I don't know when it happened. Maybe uh, our son was about two or three years old or something, but I saw those non-used tortillas sitting there, and I thought, this is such a waste, and so I had an idea, and it's an idea, and ever since then, we do it pretty much every time we order fajitas. What I did was I decided that I was going to make a mask out of the tortilla, and so let me just demonstrate. This is, this is a way that you can impress your friends when you, get, when you get home or when you go to the Mexican restaurant, just a way that you can impress your friends. But what you do is, so you've got to make a mask out of this, right? And so you, you've got to be very, very careful because if you, if, if you make the eye too close to the edge, it can split. So you've got to keep the eyes in the middle, but you also, you've got to be able to see out of this thing. So let me show you. You've got to measure it a little bit, and then you, take, you fold it, you take a bite, Another look at those eyes, didn't I do awesome? But wait, I gotta breathe too. That's not a nose, that's a mouth. Maybe I uh, uh. Before, before long, we end up eating this whole stinking tortilla. And so, what we do is we'll make what we call Tortilla man, what do y'all think? and on on occasion we'll make tortilla man, and I'm not going to do this again, but he'll make Taco boy. So what we do is tortilla man and taco boy are they're they're pretty big enemies, and they're against each other now we make we make this little mask, and it's not necessarily a good mask, right I mean. Riley knows that Daddy is still behind this tortilla. And by the way, we do not eat this tortilla after putting it on our face. These tortillas are for play only. But Riley knows that this is not some superhero behind this mask, that it's actually Dad. And I know that Taco Boy is not Taco Boy. It's actually Riley. But what it does is, is it makes a mask. Now, it's not a very good mask. It's not a very good disguise. But it's a mask nonetheless. Did you know that... Satan also uses masks. Satan's goal in our lives is to disguise himself so that we will fall captive to his plans for our life and we will miss what God has for our lives. Satan is tricky and his goal in our lives, whether you're a believer or not, so don't tune me out if you're not a believer in, in Jesus, whether you're a believer or not, Satan's goal in our lives is to work without us knowing it. And so what he does, and especially right now what I think he's doing in culture, is he's trying to blur the lines between right and wrong. Have y'all noticed that? And so if he can kind of kick out the line between right and wrong, then we won't know which side to stand on. There's there's a lot of things in our culture right now where what he's he's doing is, is he's trying to portray everything as if it's been done in love and acceptance, but at the end of the day, the system will fall apart on itself because there is no right and wrong. And so we hear live your truth, right? Live your truth. You do you. You believe what you want to believe. The problem with that is that if we're all living our truth, what happens when your truth and my truth collide? And so Satan wears a mask. He disguises himself to try to convince us that it's okay if we move a little bit outside of the box because that line isn't clear anyway. He 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 tries to disguise himself. He wants to turn people against other people. And this isn't just those people outside of the church, but this is us inside the church. He wants to turn us against each other based on our race, based on our age based on the things, the political views that we hold, Satan disguises himself and wants to turn people against people. He wants to bring depression. He wants you to continually compare yourself to the person beside you or the person that you see on social media. And he wants to disguise himself as you're just trying to keep up. He wears a mask. He tries to disguise himself. He wants to move you ultimately outside of what he knows is God's best for you. And so he wears, he wears mask to disguise, to get in, to slither in and disrupt the thing that God really has for you. Today, I want to expose Satan for who he really is. I want to expose him so that we can see under the mask and we can understand what he's doing in our lives, what he's doing in our world, and hopefully we can realize that we have some power to overcome it. Today, I want to unmask our enemy. I want to unmask the work that Satan's done because as a pastor, can I just say I'm tired. I'm tired of him, him doing what seems like is winning the war. And so I want to take the mask off. I want us to understand who he is and how sly and how dirty and how deceitful and how terrible he really is. Now, I'm not going to get to everything today. I do want to teach just a little bit, but I also want to come back next year, and I want us to do a series around this topic so that we can fully understand who he is. But before we go any further, in case you don't know, let's start with, with who Satan is. If, if you don't know, we have a very, a very real enemy. He's real. The Bible says that we're basically at all times, we're operating in two different worlds. There's the physical world that we can see. That's our experiences. It's the people around us. It's the materials that we can see and touch. It's the things that we have. We operate in a physical world, but there's also a spiritual world going all around all around us all the time that we can't see. That we can't touch. Sometimes you can feel it, but you can't see it. But the Bible says that this there's this constant battle in the spiritual realm for the souls and for the victory and for the blessing of people. And that enemy in that spiritual realm is, is Satan. He is fighting against what God wants to do. The Bible says that Satan was at one time an angel. He was God's, one of God's top-ranking angels, in fact. Angels are created beings. They're created just to be angels. And at one point, Satan was one of God's top angels. The Bible says that his, his name as an angel was Lucifer, which means star of the morning. And so Satan, being one of the angels that would surround God's throne, a top-ranking angel, one day decided that he was going to get prideful, that God shouldn't receive all of the worship. Instead, he should get some for himself. And angels also have the ability to make decisions. They have free will too. And so Satan says, I'm not going to worship God anymore. I deserve some of the worship. I deserve some of the credit. I'm going to take it for myself. The Bible says that he did that, He actually rallied a third of the angels in heaven with him. And when this happened, God literally made Satan and these demons fall. He basically kicked them out of heaven. And so that's where Satan and demons come from. And so they're they're kicked out of heaven. Satan, all of a sudden, evil presents itself into this spiritual realm and eventually in this physical realm. And now there's a constant battle going on. So now, once he's kicked out, Satan's name becomes Satan, which means accuser. So the world that God created to be perfect now has an adversary because God gave choice to the angels. And Satan continues to roam the earth in a realm that we can't see. And the Bible characterizes Satan in a lot of different ways. I want to cover just a few before we move on. But it says, first off, in John eight forty four, 44, Jesus himself calls Satan a liar. John eight forty four 44 says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out all your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and he is the father of of all lies lies come from the liar when you tell a lie about yourself when you tell yourself something that that is not true that you're no good that you're worthless that you can't do it that god doesn't love you that god's forgiven that god's given up on you you are speaking something that is originated in satan's words He's a liar. No truth is in him. When you tell a lie about someone else, when you speak something that's not true, it doesn't come from God. It comes from Satan. The Bible also says that Satan is a destroyer. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus talking. But I have come that they may have life And have it to the full. Make no mistake about it. Satan's goal is to destroy you. Point blank. His goal is to destroy you. Whether you have a relationship with Jesus or not, whether you believe in God or not, Satan is not your friend. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take you down. He wants to take your joy. He wants to take your peace. He wants to destroy you. Death and sickness are from him. He wants to destroy your body. Depression, anxiety, all of, all of those mental things we struggle with are from him. He wants to destroy your mind. He wants to destroy your soul. And if you're a believer in Jesus today, listen to me. He cannot destroy your eternity. Your eternity is not in your hands, and it is out of his grasp. But what he can do is he can destroy your now. That's his goal. Jesus wants to give you life. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy the relationships that matter the most to you with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. He wants to destroy your peace, the thing that's inside of you as a believer in Jesus that holds you anchored even when life's storms are surrounding you. He wants to destroy you. The Bible also calls Satan a, a deceiver. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and it says, no wonder, For even even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, Satan wears a mask. He wants to deceive you into thinking that he is something that he is not. He wants to deceive you and he wants to take you further than you've realized you've gone. He wants to take you further out of the plan of God. He wants to take you further out of the arms of God than you've ever realized you've gone. He wants to take you out of what's really best for you. He wants to convince you that your way is better, and that his way is better, and that their way is better than God's way. He wants to deceive you. He even oftentimes will present bad things as being good for us. Just one more, just to numb the pain. I don't like who I am when I'm not drinking. (laughs) a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And so he'll present these little things that are meant to to deceive you. And he'll even, sometimes he'll take part of the truth and twist it into his, his own agenda. And so he'll take the fact that, yes, I'm a sinner, and he will convince you that you are a worthless person. He's a deceiver. So obviously, if Satan's clearly defined in Scripture of who he is and he worked in an obvious way. We wouldn't fall for it, would we? But he doesn't work in an obvious way. He, he wears a mask. And that's what you see in the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis 3. It's the first time we see Satan appear in, in Scripture. He's actually explained later in Scripture where he came from and stuff. But we first see him in Genesis three and he comes to Adam and Eve now before we start reading keep in mind that Adam and Eve at this point are living in a perfect world everything is wonderful they they are communion they have perfect communion perfect conversation perfect relationship with God they have they are well fed they have a purpose they have a job to do they have a perfect relationship with each other. Sickness isn't there. Death isn't there. Lies aren't there. Deceit's not there. It's perfect when Satan shows up on the scene in Genesis 3. But Adam and Eve are about to make a choice, and the the question I hear most of the time is, well, well, why, why did God allow them to make a choice? Well, if I told you that I love you, but I had no choice but to love you? Is that love? No, I can't love someone if I don't have a choice not to love them. And so because God created man for relationship and to be loved by him and to love him, God had to give Adam and Eve a choice whether they were going to participate and partner with Satan during this part of Scripture or whether they were going to choose him. And so he, he does that. Let's look at Genesis 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, The serpent, that Satan in disguise, Satan wearing a mask, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say, and I hear it in my head like this, Did God really, I don't know why Satan has a high-pitched voice, Did God really say you must not eat, from the tree, uh, from, uh, eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. So Satan's first attack was against God's truth. Did God really say? Is that really true? His first attack is against God's truth, and he still does that today. The way that he interacts with us, and the way that he tempts us, and the way that he tries to get us to come to his side is by trying to get us to question God's truth. If he can convince you that God loves everyone but you, if he can convince you that God doesn't love the people that don't look like you or believe like you, if he can convince you that God is trying to keep you from having fun, if he can convince you that, yes, I am exactly who they say I am, I will never be anything more. If he can convince you that you are no good because he is well on his way to winning because once we start to question God's truth, we're prepared to believe Satan's lies. And so he wants you to question everything. He wants you to question, will this really work out? Does God really exist? Does God really care? If God does exist, why did this happen? If God does exist, why do I feel like that? He wants to get you to question God's truth. That's the first place he meets Adam and Eve in the garden. He just wants to plant a little seed of doubt in your mind that maybe, just, maybe, all this thing is a hoax. Maybe, just maybe there is a better way. And then it begins to be a, a slow journey, away from what God really wants for you and the best that He has for you. It's the way it happens. It happens slow. He wants to take you further than you realize you're going. It's like bowling a frog, right? You don't put a frog in a pot that's already hot because he'll hop out. But instead, you put him in there, and at first he just kind of thinks he's taking a bath. It feels pretty nice, doesn't it? It feels pretty nice doing your own thing. You've been trying to be a goody-good for a long time. feels pretty nice flirting with her. feels pretty nice flirting with him. And then the heat gets turned up little by little by little. And before you know it, because you were willing to take a step over here and doubt God's truth, you're a bold frog. It's the way he works. Little little by little. Adam and Eve are clueless about who this is that's speaking to them. And this is what Eve says in response. Verse 2 says, she says, of course, we may eat eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So right here, Eve is already misquoting what God told her. God didn't tell her not to touch it. He told her not to eat it. Do you see how she's slowly moving away from God's truth, from what God really said? He's already got her. And then Satan puts on the mask. Verse 4, he says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Satan puts on the mask of doubt. The mask of doubt. Of doubt. He's trying to get Eve to doubt who God is and what he what he's told them. He's got on the mask of, of doubt. Have have you ever experienced this? And I'm not I'm not just talking about asking yourself and doubting does God exist, but I'm talking about have you ever doubted that his way really is the best way? Have you ever doubted that he really does have your good at the forefront of his mind? Maybe, maybe you've been trying. You've been, you've been trying to, to do things better. Like, you've been trying to live the life. Like, you knew something was missing. You knew the life that you were living was not bringing fulfillment. And so maybe you've been, you've been trying. You've been going to church. You've been giving. You've been praying, even though you can't pray for more than 30 seconds because squirrel. You've, you've been trying to be more loving. You've been trying to be more, more forgiving. You, you, you've, been, you've, been, you've been trying, right? You've been, you've been really trying, and you felt like it was going pretty good. But then, boom, something happens, and you decide, is this really worth it? You begin to doubt. Have you ever been there? It's, it, you almost get to the point where you're like, I have made too many sacrifices for my life not to be getting any better, I have tried too hard. I have tried too long. I have done, not done what I wanted to do long enough. And then, boom, something happens, and it's just not worth it. And you start to wonder, does God really care? And I want to set some of you free by saying this. God, or Satan, will most attack those who are closest to their breakthrough. Did you hear that? Satan's attention is most on those who are closest to where God wants them to be. If you're in the room this morning and you do not feel this, this, this tension, if it's easy for you to follow God today, then Satan's not concerned with you. Because he knows you're not close to the breakthrough. But... If you've been trying and you've been struggling and you even feel like you haven't been doing that good of a job of trying, but it seems like things just keep getting worse and that the doubts are even stronger than they ever were. I want you to hear me say this morning, stay on track because you are close to the breakthrough because Satan attacks those who are closest to the place that God has for them. How freeing is that for you? Because some of you, you you've been struggling. I've, I've heard the stories. And you've even said those words to me. I've, we've been trying to do good, but it seems like it's not worth it. It is worth it, and you're so close. Don't let the mask of doubt throw you off track. Don't let Satan's disguise become your demise because you're close. Adam and Eve here, they're in a perfect world, right? And that's when Satan comes because he knows he doesn't have them in his grasp yet. He will attack those who are closest to where God wants them to be. If you talk to any seasoned believer, they'll say that they most felt attacked before something big happened in their life. Don't, don't shrink back. Don't, don't give up, even when you don't feel it. Even when you don't feel like things are getting better. Even when you don't feel like struggling anymore. Hold tight to the truth. Don't fall for the mask. He wants you to doubt. He wants you to say, does God really even care? And when he can get you to doubt... He's halfway to getting you to run. To run from the best things that God has for you. To run towards the things that will just make you feel better temporarily. Don't doubt. Know the truth. Don't doubt. But Eve did. And then verse 6 says, The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. <laughs> What's funny is that about, about that is, is, is later in Scripture, God asked him about it, and Adam says, this woman did it. Y- y'all read on. That'll give you something to do. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. So Satan exchanges the mask of doubt for the mask of more. The mask of more. And I really believe that this is the one that he has on most of the time in today's world. And I'm not just saying that sometimes you think there's got to be more. But I think sometimes Satan puts it in our mind, what if there is more? And I'm missing it. You ever thought that? What if there? What if there is more? Especially for those of you that are that are trying to walk with Jesus, have you ever thought, what if there is more? Like, what if there is, what if there is a better way? And if we're honest, we've all fallen prey to this. Some of you, you drove the mask of more onto our parking lot, didn't you? I mean, you had a car; it was fun, but then something just didn't quite feel right in your in your in your spirit, in your soul, and you thought, I got an idea. Go buy a new car it'll make me feel better heated seats it's about winter my rump will feel much better and so you bought something you could barely afford that just caused more stress do you see how satan works some of you you're living in this the house that you bought the housing market's booming could never get more for our house well you probably never pay more for your house either right and you felt like there was something missing. You felt like something was missing in your home. You felt like there was something missing with your relationship with your spouse, with your kids. And you thought, if we just buy a new house, we can start over. Some of you have had marriages end because of this, haven't you? Because you were married for a long time and you started wondering, what if somebody can better meet my needs? It's the mask of, of more. It's, it's us wondering if there's more out there, I don't, I don't want to miss it. Let's be honest. We live in a world that makes more look better, don't we? That makes the lies, the disguises of Satan look good. The whole live your truth thing, that sounds good, right? Well, heck yeah, I'm going to live my truth. Then I'm going to do what I want to do. Or the whole you do you thing. You do you, even if you are being a jerk to everybody else. It sounds good, right? Seems freeing. You you do you. You live your you live your life. It sounds good. <laughs> I can forget everybody else. I don't have to love. I don't have to care. I just try not to get arrested. And if I do, I'll get off. It sounds pretty good. This life of more, it it sounds pretty good. Like I, I might as well do it. Might as well have fun while I'm here. Life is short, right? Or I, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, I'm good. Live, live, live your truth. It, it, it sounds good. And then on top of that, you see people that have seemed to have gotten more by actually practicing those things, don't you? Like you see their photos. You see how they take those forget you. I clean that up. Those forget you selfies. And you're thinking, that looks, that looks, that looks pretty good. They seem to be happier doing it their way, making their own life. They seem to be happy sleeping in on Sundays. Hello, 9 o'clock crowd. And you start to wonder, is that really the life that I should be living? Is that, is that better? And then what I've noticed about myself when this comes into my mind is that this immediately turns from what if there's more to is God really that good? Because I feel like he's tying my hands here. But if you've ever lived that life, and a lot of you have, watching online or in the room, a lot of you have tried to live that life, then you'll see what Adam and Eve see here. Look at verse 7. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened. And they suddenly felt shame shame at their nakedness. I forgot to tell you, before this, we were all naked. All right, I'll keep going. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. If you've ever tried to live that kind of life, what you'll find is at the end of the day, it leaves you shameful and exposed. you're ashamed of how you treated those people you're exposed to the fact that yeah it felt good for a little while but that there's something missing inside of me because it's all gone now and now i got to do something else i got to buy something else i got to see some something else i got to hook up with somebody else because it just didn't last you'll, you'll 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 be you'll be exposed to your past you'll be exposed to the to the junk that's inside of you that you just can't get rid of you'll be exposed to that feeling of fleeting happiness and that you'll be exposed to the emptiness inside of you if you've ever tried it you understand like yeah i tried it that way but there's nothing sustainable there there's nothing to hold me over you'll be exposed to the consequences of your choices like adam and eve are about to be you'll be exposed to who you really are deep down inside without being identified as one of god's children you've tried that, if you've fallen for those masks, the mask of doubt or the mask of more, you will eventually feel exposed. But if you've ever fallen victim to Satan's mask, there's good news. Look at the end of Genesis chapter 3. Verse 21, it says, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? (laughs) They were naked, of course he did. But I want you to understand the weight of this. Knowing what we know in 2021, I want you to understand the weight of what God just did here. They fell for Satan's mask, for his disguise. They felt exposed and ashamed. So then they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. They tried to do it. That they, they tried to be good enough to make everything feel okay. They, they tried to do enough to make the feeling go away of their, of their, of their shameful acts and, and, and their feeling exposed. They tried to do it on their self. And then God comes in and makes a sacrifice so that they could truly be covered once and for all. And the beautiful part about this is, is that most scholars believe that this animal that was killed... To make, to use the skins to cover them was actually a lamb. You see, Satan has a plan. Satan has these masks that he tries to wear, but God had a plan the entire time. He's never left you vulnerable, He's never left you exposed because He, he has the ability to cover you. He has the ability to cover up your mistakes and to defeat the enemy. From the very beginning, God had a plan not to let this fallen, prideful angel be able to lie to you, deceive you, and to destroy you, but he had a plan to cover you and bless you and grace you with his presence from the very beginning. This isn't a plan B. Jesus isn't a plan B. This was the plan. And that's that's how we remove the mask of Satan, It's to accept the sacrifice of the perfect lamb in Jesus and follow him and follow his truth even when it doesn't make sense. The enemy is real, and I want you to hear me say that this morning. We have a real spiritual enemy, but God is a winning warrior Satan is a liar and a deceiver, but God is an ultimate warrior who protects his people. I read a study that according to doctors at the Good Samaritan Regional Medical Center in Phoenix, Arizona, that rattlesnakes thought to be dead can still strike, bite, and kill. As a matter of fact, doctors said that they have a large number of Patients come in with rattlesnake bites from snakes that people thought were dead, whether they were shot, whether they had their head chopped off, but these people would still get bitten by this snake. And what they said was that a rattlesnake still has an impulse inside of them and venom inside of them and can still bite, strike, and kill for up to 60 minutes after you assume that they're dead. And I started thinking, isn't that like Satan? Satan Satan is, is a dead foe, isn't he? We see him in Genesis as a snake, as, as a serpent. He's a defeated foe because of what Jesus, what Jesus did. And I know this morning for some of you, you are feeling his bite, aren't you? You're feeling the venom go into you, aren't you? But I want you to know this morning that God has a really big shovel, and that the enemy's bites will not last forever, and that he is a defeated foe, and he, he knows it, that his 60 minutes are almost up in your life because of the grace of Jesus, because of the power of God. He is a defeated foe, and yes, you have to guard against him. You have to recognize his mask, but you do not have to fear him because he has no power over the living. God. He is a defeated foe even though he continues to try to strike. His 60 minutes are almost up, and all that he wants to do now is to try to keep you from possessing the best that God has for you. Your eternity, if you're a believer in Jesus, your eternity is secure. but he wants to rob you of your today. So God sacrifices this animal, a lamb, makes coverings for Adam and Eve. It would ultimately foreshadow what would happen 4,000 years ago. Throughout that 4,000-year span, God's people would sacrifice perfect lambs for temporary forgiveness of their sin. Until 4,000 roughly years after this story, Jesus comes on the scene and he's called the spotless lamb. He would meet people in their shame, and their exposed state, in their Nakedness. He would live a perfect life as God's one and only Son, and he would die on a cross. As Satan shuddered, Jesus got out of a tomb. Once and for all, he was determined that Satan can still bite, but he's a goner. Through a relationship with Jesus, you have the power to withstand his mask and his disguises. Through a relationship with Jesus, you have the power to have the sin, the stuff in your life covered. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to accept Jesus, to accept his forgiveness, to accept his covering. The Bible says that, that if you admit that you're a sinner, that you've missed the mark, that Satan has won some battles in your life, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, he's the spotless lamb who lived a perfect life to die on a cross and raise from the dead. And if you confess him as your Lord, as the boss of your life, that you will be saved, that your eternity won't be in doubt no matter what mask Satan tries to put on. If you need that this morning, if you're tired of trying to cover yourself, and you need the grace of Jesus, just say this prayer. There's nothing magical about it. It's just a confession. Say, Jesus, I quit. I've been trying to cover up for so long. The things that people know about me, the things they don't know, I'm, I'm so messed up. Satan's mask have distracted me. But today I confess all of that stuff that I've done. And I ask you to cover me. I believe you died. I believe you rose. And I confess that my life is in your hand. In Jesus' name. Amen. So for the rest of us in the room, What's your next step? For some of you, you need to repent. Repent means go a different direction. You need to repent because you have been falling prey to these masks for so long that you and the people around you barely know who you are anymore. You need to turn the other direction. Some of you are fighting a major spiritual battle right now. And the thing that you need to do is you need to get truth in you. You need to get dedicated again to reading the Bible, dedicated again to showing up to church. Because if you don't have the truth, if the truth isn't here, and you can't recall the truth when Satan brings the lie, he's going to get you. Some of you, you're going through battles right now. You need the truth in you. And you know what else you need to do? You need to speak the truth out loud. You need to tell Satan that he is a defeated foe. You need to tell him that he can't have his way with you anymore. You need to tell him that he is exposed, that you know exactly what he's doing, that you're not going to run that direction anymore. What's What's your next step? Do you need to set a reminder throughout the day on your phone? Hey, Siri, remind me every day. At 9 and 3. What do you want to you about? Siri just woke up. I should have known that when I said that. Okay. Oh, Well, she did remind She is going to remind me of something. But you need to set a reminder to, to pray because it's easy to go through a day and just get caught up in what this world brings you. Even for me sometimes. I, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but sometimes I can go, Six hours without even thinking about it. That's how messed up I am. But I do, I have reminders throughout the day that a scripture pops up and I read the scripture and it reminds me that it's time to pray through that scripture. Maybe that's what you need to do. But guys, listen, I'm gonna say this as honestly as I know how. I'm so tired of Satan robbing us of the amazing things that God wants to give us time to wake up and receive all that he has he's good no it doesn't feel like it sometimes but his way works let's pray God I thank you so much for who you are I thank you that the end of our story is not in doubt through a relationship with Jesus, we don't have to wonder where we'll spend eternity, God. But I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, that today's would be changed because of this message. God, that we would live with an awareness of who Satan is, not so that we can, not so that we can be infatuated with him, but so that we can be more effective for you, so that we can love you more, so we can be the people that you want us to be. God, I pray that in Jesus' name, Lord, the assignments that the enemy has sent among these people God, I declare they're gone. Satan, we speak directly to you, and we declare that you are a defeated foe. We remind you of your future, that your head is severed, and these people, me and these people, are going to follow Jesus. Get away. Lord, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for your promises that never fail. In Jesus' name, amen.